There is more going on than you know. There are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley, and each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. Today, we have a super special new kind of fun idea that came to us in inspiration. And we are going to take one question from you. In this case, the question's from Tina. And if you want to send in your questions later on, we'll show you how to do that. And then we're going to have two different views on this, one from Joshua and one from Laurel. Well, you probably know who Joshua is, and you may know who Laurel is, or you may not. But just to catch you all up, Laurel is channeled by Astrid Halverson all the way in Norway. And Astrid's here today, and so I'm going to read Laurel's answer, and Astrid's going to read Joshua's answer. What? Astrid? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is the part we're talking about. Do we ever edit these podcasts? No, we never do, even when we screw up. But I'd like to introduce you all to Astrid Halverson. Hi, Astrid. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's catch everyone up on who you are. Uh, First of all, you live in Norway. Yes. You went to yes. school in somewhere Norway. And well, that was college. just three years, yeah. Yeah. And so you, you speak English perfectly. You have a little bit of familiarity with the American culture, but basically you are European and you have a different sensibility than the rest of us because, of course, from that, that Norway background, you've got your own stuff going on. To you, us Americans seem loud and obnoxious. Yes. And is that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so it all started when you found Joshua. And how did you find Joshua? I, I think it was on one of the LOA blocks, and you had commented um, as Gary sort of typing in Joshua's answers. Yeah. It was, and I was like, who's this Joshua guy? And I Googled it, and I found your page. And I, was, I really wanted to do the one-on-one, but I was thinking – why would they want to do that with boring me? That's just, that's never going to happen. So I said to myself, if this Joshua thing, this group, this guy asks me, then I'll do it. Cause I had sent in one of those um, or a couple free um, question answers things. Yeah. And you kept, you kept answering. And I was thinking, yeah, if Joshua asks me, cause I was thinking they're never going to do that. So that's safe. <laughs> so if they ask me to do the one-on-one, then I'll do it. Because I realized, you know, that's never going to happen. So, you know, I'm not risking anything. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I get tons of questions and I can't do them all. You know, a lot of questions are like, will I win the lottery or will this job go through? You know, these futuristic kinds of, you know, palm reading kind of questions. And 
But your questions always spoke to me, and I knew there was something that we were going to do together, and it was like you stood out. And that's what happens. As, as I've gotten clearer on who I am, I notice people, and certain people just shine like these bright lights to me, and you were one of those people. And so I asked you to join the one-on-one, -on -one, which was this thing we, we were doing back in the old days where Steve was the first one to do it. And Joshua said, get Steve to do a one-on-one. -on -one. And here are the rules. He has to ask three or four questions a week. He can't make any big life changes. He's got to commit to a certain amount of time. And he has to meditate every day. And then I think you might have been the second person, right, to ever do no, it? No, like four or five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Four or five. And so the same thing happened with you. And you started with your first question. And how many questions did you end up asking along the whole way? I can't remember. But I was thinking, I'm going to get my money's worth. So I think I sent in at least a question a day. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I wanted to get the most out of this. And it was probably, I don't know, like a year or so. I don't remember. Yeah. It, was, it was a long time. Yeah. And yeah. so it was a fascinating journey. And... All together, 20 people did the one-on-one, -on -one, and some of the people started channeling themselves. They would do free writing, and they would bring forth their own answers to questions. And that was sort of Joshua's point, is that we all have access to this stuff, yet, you know, we don't believe it. And when it first comes through, you don't believe what you're writing. Um, and then you sort of go through this phase of doubt and, and, like, is this real or is this just me making it up? And then along the way, you get to understand that there's super cool information coming through that can't be from you. And that's how I feel. It can't be from me. Now that I'm in it five and a half years and I'm actually speaking as well as writing, there's been two million words written, five books, hundreds of answers, dozens of articles. You know, it just isn't a coincidence. And in fact, this whole philosophy of this new approach to life has emerged from Joshua. Um, and then I look around and I say, well, the first thing I did was I, I said, who else is channeling? In fact, that's how I met Steve. We went, I found Story Waters and we went to one of his events in LA and Steve was there and that's how we met. And so I looked at Story Waters and, uh, tons of other people, and I read what they were doing, and it was all complimentary to what Joshua was saying, but it was all very general, and, you know, it was, it was nice and everything cool, but for me, Joshua was a little more specific. Then you started channeling Laurel. How did that come about? That was weird, because it was, I could see that we were going towards the end of the one-on-one, -on -one and... I was just, I don't know, I was unsatisfied. I sort of felt like some, something was missing. And I, we did this one-on-one, -on -one, the video thing. And <laughs> I had like this anger fit. I was just, I think I was yelling because jo I was asking Joshua all these important questions and they were just like, well, it's all within you. Don't go seeking answers outside of, you, outside of yourself. Just go within. And I was so pissed off because if I could go within, I would do it. You know, it's not like I was being stupid on purpose. I just, I couldn't do it. So why the hell were they asking me to do this stuff that I couldn't do? 
And I got so angry and I sort of just like, I just gave up. I just left that whole conversation just angry and just like, fuck it. And then the day, the next day or a couple of days later, I was still, <laughs> I was still so angry. So I sat down and I wrote all this crap because I wanted to show Joshua that I could, you know, just make up all this stupid stuff that sounded just like channeling, you know, use these words like, oh, my child and like, oh, everything will be amazing. And just like, I could fake it like the best ones out there. Right. So I wrote like two pages of just bullshit in anger. And I sent it to Joshua, just like, I'll show you, this isn't channeling, but I can fake it. You're stupid for trying to get me to do this stuff. Right. And then they replied, yes, my dear, or something. You're channeling. <laughs> yeah. And That's it what it is. So it was so weird because I thought channeling would be hearing this other voice, right? Yeah. And it's just I it's I can't differentiate between my own thoughts and channeling. So because they're, they're your thoughts, so it sounds like yes. you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like I, so it's it was just weird, and so it took me. I guess that was like two years ago. I think it took mm -hmm. me like probably a year of posting my so-called channeling things yep. uh, just to feel some sort of certainty that it was channeling. Yeah. And it's taken me at least now these two years to be sort of confident that it, at least parts of it are channeled. Yeah. So yeah. it's difficult. It is difficult. And that is the key, you know, it can't be in a different voice because you're not receiving really a voice, you're receiving thoughts. Yeah. And so you're translating the thoughts into your own language. And that's yes. why, I mean, certainly the thoughts could be translated into French or German or whatever based mm -hmm. on the person. So the person has to know certain words, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know French, and so it can't come through in French, and I can't do anything. And same as with Abraham and Esther, it's, it, it is the stream of consciousness that's, that's co-creating with you. Yeah. And you have a different, you know, perception of reality. So mm -hmm. it comes through each one of us different. And so this stream of consciousness combined with me is called Joshua, and that's unique in the stream of consciousness combined with Esther is called Abraham. And that's unique in the stream of consciousness called Laurel comes through you. And that's unique too. But what I like about Laurel is Laurel seems to be the counterpart to Joshua. And Deborah Joe was talking about this when she was going through this last year uh, with Frank's illness, she read three books. One of them was a cancer book. One of them, was kind of can't remember the other one, and the other one was the book of Laurel, the book you wrote. Yeah. And this book, she said, is softer and more feminine, and Joshua's rougher and more masculine. And that conversation with her, with other inspiration I've been getting and you've been getting, has allowed us to come up with this format where we can take two sides of one question and see it in from different angles. And all Josh was ever doing is showing us another perspective. And so now in this case, we have Laurel's perspective and Joshua's perspective. And uh, while we're on the subject of the first book of Laurel, which is one of my favorite books of all time, it's on Amazon, A.C. Halverson is Astrid, 
and check it out. And every single person I've ever told about it who's read it or I've given to it has loved it. It is like conversations of God with God on steroids. It's so much more advanced than that book. Oh, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> I hate, You're gonna have to I hate this. <laughs> uh, well, you know, what helped me when I wrote the Joshua books is I took myself out of it. I said, when the first book was finished, I said, here it is. I'll put it out there, see what people think. I don't care. Uh, actually, I thought it was going to sell 5 million copies, but it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's right for who, who's, who comes in contact with it. Yeah. And everyone who's read it, every single person I've ever met has gotten a lot out of a perception of reality and all the other books. And so that's yeah. great. But it doesn't reflect on me. I didn't do anything other than sit down, type it out, and spent, you know, eight weeks doing it. And it was fun. You know, and so if people criticized it, that's not me. If they loved it, it's not me either. I'm neutral to it. And I guess that's what makes it easier for me. Yeah, but at the same time, there is a lot of you in, in the books because it's your filter. Yeah, so, so it's, yeah. Me, it's me and my filter, but I'm not taking credit for it, you know. Well, way. I am. If yeah, I wrote but, the book, I want the credit. So. Good, take the credit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Because but it doesn't mean is, anything about you. Nothing does, though. Nothing means no. anything about us. You know. But the thing is, I sort of received the like the idea of the what I'm like the answer for what I'm asking. I received the idea, but I also have to sort of pick the right words. So that it's partly me. And it the is. weird thing is that sometimes I think I receive the idea, and as I start typing, it changes into something else. Right. So like, okay. I don't feel like I'm in control of what I'm writing, which is weird because it's me and it's not me. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I do that too is sometimes I'll write a word and I won't even, I don't even know what the word means and yeah. I'll have to look it up. Not all the time, but maybe, you know, once every 10 questions or something. Like yeah. one time it was, um, they were referring three legged race. I always thought it was a three leg race. You know, it's three-legged. And so I looked it up and I go, oh, yeah, it is a three-legged race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, for like me, yeah. For me, it's difficult because I sometimes, like, I'll know the word in Norwegian, but then I, and then I'll get, like, the English word, but I don't know if it's right, so I'll have to Google it. And then it is right, but I'm, it's, so it's like someone's feeding me the right translations, but I don't trust it. Yes. So, it's usually right, though. Yes. Yeah. I've never seen a, a place when it was wrong. Whenever I Googled something, it was right. It was, yeah. it was like, oh, I get it now. I understand what this yeah. is. When I first started, the first, I don't know, God, I would say, must have been half the book. Uh, so the first four weeks, while I'm doing it, it was all gibberish and nonsense, especially the first time oh. I ever did it. And I'm like, this is just gibberish and nonsense. And then I go back and read it, and then it makes sense. Yeah. So now when I'm doing it, I know so much. I've done it so often. I have an idea what they're going to say. Sometimes they go in a different direction, though. But yeah. it all makes sense as it's coming out. What I really like about Joshua is when is that they seem to start at a beginning and then sum it up at the end. It's a, a, like this perfect circle. I could never imagine doing that in like this question from Tina took maybe 10, 15 minutes to do. Yeah. So really, for me, to, Gary, to write something like that, it'd take all day or 
something, you know? The articles sometimes come out in 15, 20 minutes. Jules yeah. Johnson will say, we need an article for the Law of Attraction magazine. Whatever it is comes out and click, fix the typos, otherwise it's presented off. And it's always these brilliant things. So who else can do that? That's, that's the power of being in this alignment. And we can do that in every conversation we have, in whatever work we're doing, and certainly in writing and art and things like that. If we just get into that zone, we engage this power that really creates worlds. And that's what this is all about. But I have to, I sort of disagree too, because I can be feeling, usually when I ask, when I ask for help, I'm feeling really shitty because if everything's fine, then I don't care to ask. So I'll be feeling really shitty over something, really upset, and I'll ask for help or I'll ask a question and then I'll get the answer. Yeah. So we don't always have to be, I feel like sometimes you don't have to be like in alignment, feeling good to receive the help that you need. It's just this intense desire. Yes. Yes. Right. Well, it, the intention to make a connection wherever you are. Yeah. That's really good. Um, when I first started doing it, I had to lock myself in my office, no music, no phone, no one could interrupt me, no one could watch. And, <laughs> and it had to be in the morning and I had to meditate first. And now I can come home after going out to dinner. There could be people in the room coming in and out. I can take phone calls in the middle of it. It doesn't matter. It just yeah. comes easily. Um, I want to one day see you channel verbally though. That's I've done that. I sent a few um, audio clips to Wendy because uh, you know, because she's always supportive. So she never says, Oh, this was bad. So I knew she was safe to test it out on. Yeah. But for me, it's difficult because it's part of the translation thing. When I write, it's easier. I can know the idea and know the words in Norwegian and I can take a few seconds to sort of like Google or find the right translation. Uh. Uh, and it's easier for me when I write to sort of stay in the zone because that's just my thing. So right. when I'm doing it in, when I'm just speaking, it's uh, sometimes I feel stupid because I have to stop in the middle of a sentence and say like, is this, is this the right word? Is this the word I'm looking for? Um, and also I have to close my eyes to keep concentrated. Uh -huh. So it's more, for me, writing is easier. Yeah. It's just. Well, it's easier for me too. And I have to stay focused because when I'm verbally doing it, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I've gotten better and better and better at staying focused. We were on the Live Attraction cruise uh, in March, uh, or yeah, March, maybe it's April. But um, uh, David Strickle channeled the stream, and I channeled Joshua on the same stage. So we did this live. Yeah. And it was cool. And he mentioned he had he came out a couple times and had to get himself back in. Oh. And I was able to stay pretty focused. But yeah. one thing that was difficult was that. The person asks a question, it's the stream's turn to go, and I have all these thoughts racing through me. I just want to jump in there, you know? And I got to yeah. wait and be patient and then trust that the thoughts will come again. Yeah. And perfectly. And, and that's what happened. But it was a little disconcerting. But it was really fun, though. All right, cool. That's great. Well, let's, um, let's start with Tina's question. And... Oh, I don't even have Tina's question. Let's okay. You I'll... have Tina's question? 
Um, I can find it. Let me see. Okay. I had it. I just had it up here. Yeah. Do you want me to read it? Because it's short. I think I can do it. Okay, great. If you don't have it. Go ahead. Hi, Joshua. I'm struggling with feeling bad about something I did in my work. I don't know how to feel that it's not wrong. I'm a gardener, which I enjoy, but I'm conflicted about doing. Here's the situation. I cut two treetops off that I wasn't supposed to. I believed I was doing the right thing and was very determined to cut them. The person was very upset about it, and I felt bad ever since. My coworker even said maybe we should ask them, and I was em- emphatic. Is that yep. the word? Mm-hmm. Em- emphatic that I knew better when I really don't. I need help processing this limiting belief, please. It's a deep-rooted belief and goes back to my childhood. Love, Tina. Awesome. Um, you know, I don't really read the questions too intensely. I just get the gist of it and then just go. So I don't yeah. really get myself into a, what I think it yeah. problem is. So I don't even, yeah, I didn't remember the part about the childhood. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, now we can see that, you know, in anything you do, this idea that you can make a mistake. Yeah. And from this higher perspective, there are no mistakes because everything is leading towards something. And if you're in alignment or not alignment, maybe, but if you're receiving this strong inspiration to do something and you're, this is your job and you have experience in this sort of thing and you do that thing, well, that inspiration is going to lead to the highest good of you and everyone involved. Now, it might lead you right into a manifestation event like it did Tina here. But this allows her to process this limiting belief. And it might lead the landowner into a manifestation, the client into a manifestation event. And that's, you know, this is what Joshua will say here, but that's what is good for them too. You can't worry about other people's manifestation events. That's always for them. Whatever you get out of it, that's what you have control over. So should we go with uh, Laurel's question answer first or Joshua's? Either way. All right. I'm going to read Laurel's question here. Okay, great. I'm excited to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Tina, what a great reflection of how you feel about yourself. Here's a situation that is showing you what you need to work on in order for you to move ahead in the game. Good for you for creating this perfect manifestation event. What powers you have? You believe when you do wrong, it makes you wrong. Or should we say... The root of the whole mess is that you see yourself as wrong and not good enough. End of story. You know what to do. Isn't it funny how you can know the theory of being worthy, yet feel so lost and unworthy? What a marvel it is to be human. That is perfect right there. That is the whole thing. It's like she's in the boot camp. She's asked a lot of questions. Tina's followed along with Joshua for a long time. We all have these issues about worthiness. Yeah. And, and I feel like we all do this. We know what to do and how to process. And then as soon as something happens, snap out of it, we forget. Yeah. We're just like, oh, my God, something bad happened. I hate myself. Right. This proves I'm unworthy. This proves yes. I don't know anything. Yeah. You know? Um, and I guess it's just a practice. The boot camp has been cool because – People have doing work, and so they actually have the tools. We spend 49 days of the 56 days on manifestation events, and so 
there is a whole two page thing that you do when you encounter one, you know, but everyone likes to ask Joshua uh, questions anyway. So, but yeah, just the initial when the person's angry and you yeah. just take it on yourself, you know, yeah. and you say, this is proof that I'm not good enough. When reality is saying your vibration is bringing up this manifestation event because you have this limiting belief. And so the limiting belief is showing itself to you so that you can process it and work on it and reduce the intensity. So imagine yourself in any job where you feel unworthy in that job or feel unworthy anywhere in your life and you have a manifestation event like this and it, all it's doing, it's not showing you that you're bad or wrong. It's showing you you have a limiting belief. But we take these things personally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> all right. Doing something and being judged or perceiving yourself as being judged by others can be scary. You believe they see you as bad for what you did. Everything that you see in others can be found within you. You believe you are being judged because you judge yourself. You believe they judge you as bad because you feel bad about yourself. You believe doing bad is the same as being bad. So every time you make a mistake or what you see as a mistake, you tell yourself, there, that is proof. I really am bad. I knew it. And sure, if you continue to believe you're bad, then you will surely create proof of it in your reflected reality. Amazing. Perfectly said. Yeah. So how do we, you probably, Laura probably answers it here somewhere, but how do we not use that as proof? It's for me, it's difficult because as soon as I'm in a manifestation event, I get sucked in. I feel intensely and I just sort of like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me. And even though, like, even though I know if I did something that hurt other people, even though I know it's for them and it's for me, it still feels bad. Yeah. I still want it to not have happened. And it's like, no, I don't want this manifestation event. Uh, go back, cut it out. I don't want this to happen. And yeah. it's so difficult to control yourself in that moment. It's so difficult. Yeah, and so you know, though, for sure, in a month, you'll feel better. In a week, you'll feel better. In a day, you'll feel better. When you sleep, you'll feel better. So that's what I think of. I go, okay, I'm in this manifestation event. I know in a couple of days it'll be over. I probably won't even remember it for very long. You know, and definitely when I think about it, it won't feel as bad as it does now. Yeah. And then I say, okay, well, what, what's the limiting belief? Oh, that I should be different than I am for other people to like me. Well, if I keep believing that, then I can't move forward to the vibrational version of me that'll match the life I intended to live. And so this is why this manifestation is coming up. Because, you know, for me to be a spiritual leader and teacher, I have to understand that I'm okay as I am now. And I can do it. I don't have to be different than I am now. And really, I'm not going to improve and then do it. I'm going to do it and then expand. And so I might have fears about all kinds of things that I'm doing. We have events and I'm like, what happens if we have an event and all these people show up and Joshua doesn't come through, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Or what happens, we're having an event in our house in October for the boot campers and I'll be cooking for everyone and we'll be, you know, going to wineries and I arrange the transportation. And I'm like, what happens if the transportation doesn't work? 
what I was thinking this morning, what happens if I cook something and people get food poisoning? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But so I have to understand that I'm, I have everything I need right now. And if I don't have it, I'll be inspired by some idea and some idea will come along. Okay, cool. Um, so I like this next paragraph. It may feel like this event is the cause of your painful feelings, but this is not true. The cause is how you see yourself. These feelings based on your perspective of yourself are highlighted through this event. The event that you created to help and teach yourself so you can move forward. And this is such a key point here, is that we truly want manifestation events to come up. We truly want the guidance in negative emotion. And we don't have to have full-blown manifestation events. These are just events that catch, catch our attention. But if anytime we have an, a doubtful thought about ourselves, we can process that thought. And we can prove that thought is false, that that is based on a limiting belief, and we can go back and trace it to the limiting belief. So the first step is, is to understand your thoughts, and you do that through meditation. It helps a lot. And if you feel, receive a thought, you feel negative emotion, you have to understand that that thought is coming up because in your vibration is this limiting belief. And you can process that limiting belief. You can't remove the limiting belief, but you can make it less intense. Yeah, I also feel like it helps to think that everything is created from this world inside of me. So if there's something outside that's creating discomfort, then okay, it's just, it's not even real. It's just a reflection of the real problem within me. So then it doesn't feel as horrible because in most cases, no one died. I didn't kill anyone. Right. So that's like number one, no one died. I didn't kill Were anyone. Were there some cases where people did die, where you killed people? Well, I, not that I know of, maybe <laughs> there has been like, but. And even if you did, you know, well, you lucky. can't create in the reality, so. And yeah, and if they died, lucky them, because they're all happy now, so. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, like, just calm down, no one died. And right. second of all, I created it, so it's, in, it's within me. So right. it's something that, it's just like, oh, hey, there's something for you here to deal with. That's all it is. I don't have to create a lot of drama out of it. Yeah. But I usually do, but I don't have to. Yeah. So it's I like trying to calm yourself down. Well, it's talking to yourself in a way that allows you to see a higher perspective. Yeah. And that higher perspective will bring relief. Because what, what's happening is your inner self has this higher perspective of your life and understands the true reality. And when something happens, we dip into a lower emotional state of being and we um, see an illusion. And the inner self is just telling you, hey, there's an illusion here. You're not looking at it. Come back up in perspective, which you will eventually. You can do it now. Uh, and I think it's real important, well, for me, I mean, some people really like to get into the emotion and stay there and feel the emotion. I like to get out of it. I don't like it to linger because I think that if you let it linger, you sort of build a little momentum. If you can do the work to process it, and now I'm doing it in my head, but you can't do it in your head right away. You got to write it down. If you do that work consistently over time, it'll be natural. And so you'll process these limiting beliefs when they come up and get back to feeling good. I'm the opposite. I have to sort of feel it out because I get, it's so overwhelming. I can't just like, sometimes I can sort of shut it out and deal with it later if I'm in a situation with a lot of people, but I always have to like 
feel it out because otherwise it'll just linger. And so I use this time where, where the feelings are really intense. I use this time to sort of think about all the possible explanations and really dig deep. And then I can let go of it. Okay. So I have sort of the opposite way of, I guess maybe I've just like tried to deny it for so long that now whenever, whenever something comes up, I have to feel my way through it. Oh, that's good. Um, so yeah. it's just, a, it's just a different approach. I can't yeah. just like, I can't just find the right words and like see the theory of it. I have to feel my way through it and it's messy, <laughs> but it gets easier. And yeah, that's great. Um, because I think a lot of us have numbed our emotions so much, we yeah. just reject it. And when you get into the law of attraction initially, you try and say, well, all I have to do is think positive thoughts. And so that's a negative thought. I'm just going to put my head in the sand and get rid of it. And as you realize that these emotions are telling you something, then you find your way to deal with it. I find my way to deal with it. Uh, as long as you're getting the information out of it, yeah. You can do something with it. Good. Okay. Um, it is important for you to be good at your job. And so this event at work was a hard one to deal with. You define yourself by your job and how well you do it. Now that you perceive you have done a mistake, you feel the contrast between how you define yourself and how this new event apparently makes you look. You thought you were a good gardener but now you have proof that you're not because you made a mistake. Not only are you a bad person for making a mistake, you are also not who you thought you were. Incoming crisis. So we define ourselves by all kinds of things we do. And we do this, I think, as sort of status so that people will accept us. So we say, if we're a good person, people will accept us. And if we're a bad person, we'll be rejected. Joshua touches on this point. Um, and the thing is, we are all magnificent and limitless beings of pure positive love and acceptance. That's our only definition. And even that definition is limited because we are limitless. We are beyond definition. We can't be defined certainly by what we do for a living, certainly by how we look, certainly by any aspect of ourselves. We are limitless and we are all perfect as we are. We're just seeing ourselves from a limited perspective. What really changes in life is not the change in any part of your physicality, not if you get intelligent, you don't get better. If you get thin, you don't get better. If you get rich, you don't get better. If you find a mate, you're not better. How your life improves is by seeing yourself from a higher perspective, by seeing yourself as more expanded. And when you do that, that's when your reality changes. But all these outside things that you use to define yourself are completely meaningless and actually very limiting. But I think, though, that it's, I mean, we use it to feel safe because we don't even know who we are. So we use this identity, these roles that we have to sort of find our place in the world. Because if we can say, this is who I am within these limits, then we can feel safe because then we know what other people can expect from us and we know how to be in order to fit in and feel safe. So we feel safe if we can control what's expected of us and who we're supposed to be. And it's just, it's so difficult when you lose your job or like, I guess maybe get divorced or something changes in your life that makes you 
different from who you used to be because suddenly you don't know, you don't have the same expectations anymore. People might see you in a different way and suddenly, who am I? What am I supposed to do to fit in? How do other people see me? And it's difficult to sort of let go of those definitions. Yeah, you, because we're programmed to fit in and we're taught yeah. to be good and we're taught not to be bad. And we're saying, if you're good, you'll fit in. If you're bad, you'll be outcast. And we fear those things. We fear not being loved. We fear being rejected. Yet all of that is this trying to control the conditions outside yourself. Yeah. And when you can love and accept yourself as you are, even incrementally, then things start to change. Then yeah. other people will, you'll attract other people who can love and accept you too. And because really, we can only be accepted by as much as we accept ourselves. Yeah, which is which, hard. That's the worst part. <laughs> yeah, but here's yeah. the point of that is people are ready to accept you the second you accept yourself. And people are accepting you more than you think. You know, yeah. you're just perceiving them not accepting you. You could take someone and spend a day with them. And if you believe that that person doesn't accept you, you will just highlight every possible comment they made or facial expression as your proof they don't accept you. The same, could be, the same day could be lived if you believed they totally loved you you would take the exact same words they used as proof that they loved you. So it's your perception of reality based on how you feel about yourself. Yeah. So Which improve be, that. Yeah. Yeah. But it can be hard though, because if you're someone who doesn't really, if you don't accept yourself, if you're, if you're finding it difficult to love yourself, which I think most of us has to some degree, it's really hard because you know through these teachings that you're the one that has to do the job. So you can't rely on other people giving to you what you're needing. Right. You have to do the work, which right. can be, especially in the beginning, really hard because it's all, it's all your responsibility. You have to do the work first. I mean, it's good, but it's also difficult. Yeah. I had friends who from the outside had this perfect seeming life, perfect kids, perfect house, perfect environment, uh, perfect. All this stuff was perfect. And inside the house he wanted her to appreciate him so he worked hard and did all these things and gave this great life and gave him everything he wanted and she wanted him to show her that she's loved well he didn't feel appreciated and she didn't feel loved so she would just blow up at the little things and that's proof you don't love me and he would get upset because that's proof you don't appreciate me they were needing the other person to give them something they couldn't give themselves and so that couldn't work. And so it was yeah. just a constant battle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Whoops. Okay. What can you learn so you can change? You have some work to do in letting go of these narrow definitions of who you are. If you can only be a good gardener, that means you could never make a mistake again. Your job may be your passion, but it's not who you are. It's what you sometimes do. Can you see the difference? The more narrow you define yourself, the more often you'll feel the discord when you do something that's not within that definition. If you ease up on those limits, you'll be freer to explore in a wider area. This is so true. If you have a really strong persona, mm. you will, your ego will be defending every aspect of that persona. 
if you have a malleable persona, which means that you loosely define yourself, then your ego doesn't need to pop up to defend any part of it. And you'll feel less fear because the ego is what's bringing in the fear. That sort of thing. Um, you know, so we try and soften these definitions of who we are by understanding that we're limitless and nothing defines us. That's why I say these books don't define me. Yeah. If they define me, I would live and die on sales. These podcasts don't define me. If they defined me, I would be, you know, happy when viewers, you know, listeners went up and sad when listeners went down. It doesn't define me. I'm just doing my thing and who's ever into it is into it. But it doesn't mean anything about me because I'm beyond that. Yeah. And it's interesting too because it means that you have, we all have sides and talents that we haven't discovered yet. So there could be like, I don't know, 70% of me that is still waiting to be discovered. So I could be this totally different person and it's just this certain level of fear and love that's keeping me where I'm now. Right. And when fear goes down and love goes up, suddenly I'll be a different person. Yeah. And just to allow that to say to yourself that, okay, maybe I don't really know who I am. Right. You're sort of allowing for this different person to come out and it's exciting even though it's scary it's it opens a lot of possibilities for the future sure you know when you get to that path of self-discovery of discovering who you truly are which means you're doing this work to move more towards love and acceptance of yourself everyone else and the conditions then your talents and attributes open up so when i stopped trying to control the conditions to make my feel myself feel worthy and appreciated, Joshua came through. And Joshua evolved to where I am today. And my life has changed radically. And I'm in the best place I've ever been. But it's still going places from here. If I was looking at myself six years ago and I could get catch a glimpse of what I am now, I'd be too afraid to do it. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I can't even imagine what's coming six years from now. Because uh, that version of me is so much higher vibrationally, I'd be too afraid to go on that course. So I just have to trust that as it unfolds, I will be ready for it when it comes. Yeah. But we both have always had, we've both been able to write. I've been able to speak in public my whole life. Um, I've been the natural kind of leader and teacher my whole life. And when I stopped chasing that Western, uh, ideal of what was success and started trying to feel good and trying to, you know, meditate and, and, uh, go towards what I was being led to. Then these talents made sense and new talents like channeling came up, you know, yeah. and now I'm in this point where I'm very effective in the conversations I have because I feel it's a spiritual connection. Like I say, this conversation that Astrid and I are having is a spiritual connection, and I'm basically channeling now. I am receiving thoughts and saying words directly in this zone of alignment that I feel that I'm in right now. I'm focused, and, I'm, and in that way, by receiving this guidance that's always coming to me, I'm highly effective. Mm. All right, let's go to the next one. You are the wonderful light. In this life, you call yourself Tina. Sometimes you do gardening and others 
pay you because of how you do this. Sometimes others don't like what you do. You're still perfect. You must allow everyone to perceive you as they choose because they do not really see you. They see their own reflection. When they get mad at you for making a mistake, they do so because of their own mistakes. They have rules for themselves and must judge you accordingly. This is another brilliant paragraph because you can't care what other people think of you because they have no clue who you are and they see you as a reflection of themselves. So whatever fear that you elicit in them, that's up to them. That's their own limiting beliefs and you can't be responsible nor can you control what their beliefs and fears are. So if you think about it, your mate sees you one way, your parents see you one way, your children sees you one way, your best friend sees you one way, your boss sees you one way, your employees see you one way, and everyone has a different picture. No one sees the same thing. In fact, if we were to put an apple down on this table right now and everyone looked at it, they'd all see a different thing. Everything is based on, on your own perception of reality, which means that everyone else who's looking at you is based on their perception of reality, and no one sees the same thing. So you can't possibly control this. And you might assume that if they fear, feel fear, you did something to cause them fear. Well, it doesn't work that way. They felt fear because they perceived something you did in a way that triggered their limiting belief. You did not cause the fear, their limiting belief caused the fear. Without the limiting belief, they couldn't feel fear. You have rules for yourself too. You choose to judge yourself based on these rules. It is up to you to change these rules so that you can allow for mistakes without feeling bad about yourself. Can you see that every mistake you do is part of your training and self-love? If you cannot accept yourself when making mistakes, how will you ever grow? No one can grow without trial and error. If you don't accept yourself as someone who sometimes makes mistakes, you cannot grow past who you are today. This is what I love about Laurel is it is soft and gentle compared to Joshua, but it's still right to the point, you know? Yeah. It's right to the point. Yes, you're going to make mistakes. It's, it, you would tell your kids this, but we don't tell ourselves that. Yeah, it's, it's funny though, because you expect you have these high standards for yourself, but like if you mess up, I, at least, I start yelling at myself like, oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. Oh my God, I'm so stupid. And then if my friend had done the same thing, I would never have said those things to her. I would be supportive and kind and just like, don't worry about it. Try to laugh it off. Don't, you know, but we were not the friendly person towards ourselves. We're just a good friend to everyone else. And then yeah. we just, it's not, it's not a very good way to try new things. If you always, if you're always disheartening yourself. Yeah, you won't step out of your comfort zone and you have to step out of your comfort zone. You'll be too afraid of your negative emotion that you'll receive. And those thoughts when you're hard on yourself are just urges to change the conditions and yeah. you're the condition you want to change. And you yeah. assume if I was better than I was, I wouldn't make these mistakes and therefore I wouldn't have negative emotion. Well, yeah. You don't have to worry about negative emotion. You're always going to make mistakes. Those mistakes aren't mistakes anyway. They're perfect. Everything you do is perfect. It's all part of this self-growth, and you don't have to worry about it. And so, yeah, that's the, the self-talk is really important, being easier yourself and talking to yourself just as you talk to your kid or your best friend. Yeah, and remembering that the reflection is not the reflection of who you are, just what you 
think about yourself and the world. Yeah. Because if you start sort of yelling at you and getting down on yourself, um, then the reality will reflect those negative thoughts. But then for me, I would see it as, oh, this is proof that I'm stupid. I right. see it reflected. I must be stupid. Right. So it's, it's important to remember that it's just a reflection of what you're thinking. It's not a reflection of your truth. Yes. Which is very, it's very difficult in the moment. Well, look in the mirror and you can say, this is proof that I'm ugly or this is proof that I'm beautiful. Either way, you're right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's your perception that's the only thing that matters. You must allow them to see you as they choose. Your image is not important to anyone but yourself. You choose this image. You choose your definition and by that also your limitations. You choose one that allows for growth or one that strangles growth. Remember that your mistakes are not mistakes. They are signs of how you need to change. Every mistake is pointing towards more self-love and a wider acceptance of yourself. Always, always move towards love, more love. In every situation, to love yourself more will be the answer. Love yourself when making mistakes. Do not demand of yourself to never make a mistake again. Make your definition of who you are a bit looser. Don't hold so tight. Allow for change and growth. Move your limits as you grow. Welcome your mistakes. Your reflection does not change the fact that you're perfect. The reflection does not change the truth of what and who you are. The reflection is there to change how you see yourself. That is all it is, a reflection of your beliefs. That is all it is. Very good. That's the end. And the, the beginning of that paragraph, I thought that I had written down choose wrong because I thought, because it says choose your image or something. You choose your image, right? That's what it says. It says and you I, must allow them to see you as they choose. Your image is not important to anyone but yourself. You choose this image. Yeah. And I thought it, I, cause to me, it's not, it should have been, you chose this image. I was thinking like, oh, you chose this image before birth. But then I realized they're saying you choose it. Because you choose it each day. Each yeah. day you can choose it over. You can get to decide that you want to be something else. Each day you get to decide who you want to be. 100%. So just because you were someone yesterday doesn't mean that you have to be this person tomorrow. 100%. And that's sort of these nuances that I don't always pick up on when I'm typing it. Yeah. I have to read it over just to sort of see it for what it really is. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and... It's, it's like this whole thing is that we, our reality seems like it's just, you know, the same as yesterday's, tomorrow will be the same, it's all the same. But we can actually change in every moment. And when we change in this moment we're in, then we change our path and we change our future, when we change our lives, change our reality. So it's not a matter of just going along, getting the reflection back, and then reacting to whatever event happens. It's actually this idea that we're going to change who we are. All right, very cool. Let's go so, on. To, am I going to read Joshua's? Yeah, let's read Joshua's. Yeah. <clears throat> Dear Tina, you were taught to be good. If you behaved in a way that other people perceived as good from their limited perspective, they accepted you. If you did anything they perceived as wrong or bad, they rejected you. You were taught to seek acceptance, love, and avoid rejection, fear. However, you are inherently good. You have access to inspiration and bright ideas. 
When you act on that inspiration, you will always be expressing love and creation. You are not here to make others happy. You are here to create. <laughs> Which, and that's kind of because they say when you act on that inspiration, you will always be expressing love and creation. And that's kind of difficult because this inspiration, what happened, it created something that Tina was not comfortable with. And so it's difficult to remember in these situations that it's, it's, it's supposed to happen. You're expressing love and creation because I would have thought too, I would have thought, oh my God, I did something wrong. And so it's difficult to have that trust that everything is always going to happen as it was supposed to be. There is no wrong. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. And these manifestation events are always happening for other people too. Yeah. And you have to realize that it's their manifestation event and you can actually say, I'm happy that they have a chance to see themselves from another perspective and to notice their own limiting beliefs. Because for them to get what they want, they have to be able to see themselves from another perspective. And that manifestation event gives them that opportunity. And you are the path of least resistance. This is why you, you had that inspiration to cut off the treetops. Now, if you don't feel negative emotion, then you don't have a limiting belief you have to deal with. If you do, then you have a limiting belief. But I've made mistakes and I've not cared. You know, yeah. I've upset other people and not known about it, you know, or not worried about it. And it was their event for them. I didn't have the limiting belief at that time. Yeah. I can just imagine Tina going up to the, to the tree owners and be like, no, no, this is all for you. You have fears. You just got to process your limiting beliefs. Yeah. Oh, I wish well, I could see that. I now, you could imagine, like, um, someone who is super creative and super uh, aware of who they were and were the top of their field. And they said, um, they came in and did this and this. And you see designers, interior designers yeah. do this all the time. I yeah. threw this in the trash. This was no good. And people are like, no, you can't do that. Well, that's their limiting belief that they need to hang on to this piece of shit furniture where, you know, the designer has this inspiration and she'll not be moved one iota off of it. Yeah. Yep. It that's takes guts difference. though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you received the inspiration to act and so you did. Very good. Now you must detach yourself from the opinions and reactions of others. How they perceive your action is not relevant. It is based on their perspective and their own fears. You are not here to create based on the reaction of others. The inspiration you receive is the only thing that will ever matter. If you worry about other people's opinions and reactions, it will keep you from acting when inspired. Can you see how limiting this is? So I'm really into music and some bands are just making their music. They don't care what other people think. And some bands make music to make money. And you can tell the difference, totally. And the watered-down, soppy music used to be on top 40 radio just to get on the charts, I hate. And I've always hated it. And I can see what they're doing. And they're, they're, th what they create is limited because they're trying to coerce the conditions out of something to get approval. And those people who are true to themselves, they create authentically. And those, that creation is powerful. But I'm wondering, though, those people who create to make money, is that music going to appeal to other people who have the same limitations, the same limiting beliefs? 
I don't know, maybe. Because yeah. I'm thinking the, the, the vibration is going to be a match on some level. Yeah. Because mo- a lot of it sells, even though it's not, you know, I don't know, inspired thoughts or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So next paragraph. If you lived in a natural world, free from the fears that plague others, you would simply act when inspired to act, and you would not consider what anyone else thought. You would be highly effective in everything you do because the inspiration would always lead to your highest good and the highest good of all involved. I think that's so cool because like sometimes, like here, even if you do something that you perceive as wrong, you can rest knowing that it's for everyone's good. It's supposed to happen, right. which takes sort of the edge off when you're sitting, when you're in the middle of a manifestation event. It takes like the, the most intense pain away because you know it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like this even if you don't know why right maybe later you'll be able to see why this had to happen exactly if someone else has a negative reaction to anything you do they are in the middle of their own manifestation event it has nothing to do with you it has to do with their own limiting beliefs and fears that's a very good thing manifestation events are beneficial because they allow people the opportunity to discover and process their own limiting beliefs. It is an expansive experience, and they came to expand through experiences so that they can see themselves from a higher perspective. Whether they actually identify and process their limiting beliefs is up to them. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah, you can't be worried about what they're going to get out of it. That's for them. We're learning that, you know, we're learning a different approach to life. We're learning that we have limiting beliefs that are preventing us from being the fullest expression of who we are, from there's pre- preventing us from manifesting our desires and it's preventing us from uh, allowing our attributes and talents to unfold naturally. And so we don't want to be limited. We want to be expansive. So we're looking at these things differently. We're identifying the limiting beliefs. We're proving them false and we're allowing ourselves to move forward. Another uh, idea I had on that se- second paragraph, you will see that bands ha- make really great first albums and have very hard time making a second album because the inspiration came to make those songs on the first album. And when they had some success, they try to recreate that first album and they try to make it happen instead of going by inspiration. There, that was a good, that was a good example. That was a good one. <laughs> I was just thinking with these, because for me, it's, it's sometimes difficult to see when I'm in the middle of a manifestation event. It's difficult to see the sense in all of this. But it's easy for me to see what it could be in, when other people are experiencing these things. It's easier for me to see as an outsider. And that's why I'm so glad to have this group of friends that are all what I call weirdos, that we're all in the LOA environment, yeah. the yeah. Joshua groups, because then I can talk to them about what's going on and they'll be able to pinpoint what's going on with me. And usually they'll be like, yeah, it's your worthiness issue again. It's always this issue. It's always the same, but it's so difficult to see it when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. And well, so many times, why, yeah. That's why this conversation you and I are having is so cool because everyone's been in the same situation as Tina. Yeah. They're not in it right now. So they can see what Tina's going through because it's not their problem and they can get the aha moments out of this. Yeah. And so many times I want to go up to people and be like, no, 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 this isn't the drama that you think it is. This is a good thing because, 
But you just can't do that because people can only hear what they're ready to hear. So even if you tell them how it's, you know, it's good for them, if they're not mentally, emotionally ready to hear it, they're not going to hear it. No matter how many times you explain, they won't hear it. Yeah. You sort of can't push this expansion on anyone if they're not ready. Right. Because I know people have tried to help me and I just, I couldn't hear it. Yeah. You know, though, that if you, if, if you're understanding this information, you're starting to get it, you become a vibrational match to other people. Mm. And they have a ability to understand more than we think they do. And so if you're inspired to say something to somebody, you don't have to be worried about it because in something about what you say could land with them and give them an aha moment themselves. We, we tend to think that this woo-woo stuff is going to be rejected by people. And so we don't bring it up. I mean, I meet people all the time and Tracy's like, yeah, he's a channel. <laughs> I'm like, don't tell people that. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come on, babe, explain what you do. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. So we were at a, at a bar and sit next to this guy. We started talking to him and he's like, how'd you guys meet? You know, and we're like, um, I have a podcast and she was in the <laughs> listeners. Oh, what's the podcast about? Like, oh. oh no. <laughs> and we said law of attraction. He goes, you're kidding. I'm the only person I know who who's into law of attraction. <gasps> meant to be. Totally. Right. Meant to be. Meant to be. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All okay. right. So next one. Once you have made a decision and taken action when inspired, did I already read this? No, no. Once you have made a decision and taken action when inspired, you need never worry about the outcome. In fact, you must lean into that decision and stand by it. The action is perfect. You may not see how it will turn out because because your perspective is limited. In time, you will see it. From the higher perspective, the decision, like everything else, is always right. Never doubt any decision you have ever made. The decision and inspired action will always lead to your highest good. Use your imagination to project positive future outcomes and you'll find relief. Yeah. People use their imagination to imagine the worst possible outcome. Yeah. We need to start doing that and imagine how those trees will grow back. They'll be better than ever. The person's going to end up being totally happy with it. You know, you might as well use your imagination for something good. And once you've made a decision, that decision remains sealed in the past and can't be changed. And anything that can't be changed has to be seen as perfect. Yeah. And it it helps to know that there are no wrong turns. There's no wrong decision because it's just. If you're doing something and you're you're thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't done that, then just sort of calm yourself down. No, that was supposed to happen. There's nothing it can't go wrong, yeah. which helps bring relief in the moment. Totally. And yeah. you have, and that's totally um, alien to what we were taught. Yes. Which makes us understand that everything we were taught was complete bullshit. And we can exactly. get all stuff up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you could maintain your alignment and act when inspired to act, you would lead a highly effective life. You would be consciously engaging the laws of the universe to move towards a life of love and the discovery of who you really are. You are a limitless and magnificent being of pure positive love and acceptance. When acting on inspiration, you leverage the infinite powers of the universe, and this will lead to your highest good and to the highest good of all involved. 
Other people might not always be able to see the good in your actions in the moment. They have their fears and limiting beliefs that come from their inability to understand who they truly are and how this universe really operates. They are stuck in the old approach to life of control. They don't have all the information. This has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yep. Which can be hard to understand in the moment. Yes, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Should I continue? Uh-huh. There's no, there's not a comment about bands that you want to throw nope. in there? <laughs> if you choose to take action, only if the outcome will lead to some sort of approval from others, then you will always be judging the inspiration. And this is the old approach to life of fear and control. I just have to say the part about control, I'm guilty. I just try to control everything. It's so, and I might be thinking that I'm not controlling and then I realize, oh, this is another way of control. Yeah. I'll try to manipulate myself in order to control. Like I'll try to, I'll try to trick myself into believing I'm not controlling when I'm controlling. It's so like I'm trying to trick myself. It's so stupid. Yeah. And we're all guilty of that all yeah. the time. In the new approach to life of absolute acceptance, you must have faith that inspired action will always be a benefit to all involved. In taking this approach to life, you remove the outcome from the equation, and this allows you to move through fear in order to act when inspired to act. If you are constantly worried about the opinions of others in your attempt to control outcomes in order to receive acceptance, you will live a very limited and safe life. Your life will grow smaller and smaller, and fear will increase in intensity over time. Remove the shackles of other people's opinions and simply do what you're inspired to do with no regrets ever. The universe knows exactly what it's doing. And if you remain open to inspiration, you will co become a cooperative component in the creation of the life that will thrill and excite you. You will expand, enjoy, and discover who you really are every day of your life. With our love, we are Joshua. Yay. All right. Yay. This was the most brilliant podcast of all podcasts in the history of the world. Yes, you could be right. That's <laughs> the way to look at it. <laughs> I see you're choosing the higher perspective. I think it's, I think <laughs> that there isn't another podcast in all of the history of the world that could beat this one, but we get better and better every time too, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. But for the first one, what an amazing start. Okay, if you say so. How do you how do you judge yourself in this? What 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 grade do you give yourself? I'm trying I'm trying really hard to not think about it because if I start thinking, I'll just sort of go to this whole oh my god, I can't believe I said that. Oh really? my god, I'm so stupid. <laughs> oh my and, and most of all, oh my god, I'm so glad none of my friends or family ever listen to these things. <laughs> and I'm just I don't want to go there. I'm gonna like, pretend. I'm going to pretend no one's ever going to listen to this. Yeah, and that's, that's the way to do it. That's the only way I can stay in alignment. It's just a conversation between friends. Yeah. Now, you're lucky because you're in Norway. And so, you know, know, you can walk around the streets and no one's going to recognize you. I'm here. And if I go to an airport, everyone's stopping me and getting autographs and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also lucky to be in Norway because I can have an abortion if I want to. That's a yeah. good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to put it in there. I had to. Uh, yeah. 
You but must I mean, look at us and go, what is going on over there? Those crazy foreigners. They're working it out. That's all it is. They're working it out. It'll be yeah. fine. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think in a year's time, we'll have to t- um, get paid to do this. Totally. When the, when the fame takes over. Totally. Um, so if you got paid to do this, would you be more yeah. critical of yourself or less critical? I think less. Because, I mean, oh, my God, if someone's paying to listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Good. their own mistakes all right well that's our intention we will intend for this to be popular enough where we could actually make some moolah yeah yeah that'd be good what's the exchange rate between u.s dollars and euros are you guys in euros no we are use norwegian crowns crowns how many crowns, crowns. to a dollar i think it's over eight i remember when i was a kid and we went to uh, um South Dakota on vacation, sometimes it was below seven. So that was good. And now it's like eight, eight and a half. Uh It's almost like euros. It's just, I don't like it. It's expensive. But hey, what do I care with a shitload of money which is waiting for me? It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're attracting it. We're allowing it because we're understanding our brilliance. Who else is talking like this? This is good stuff. People are going to love it. All right. Well, Astrid Halverson, your book is... The first book of Laurel. We're waiting for the second book of Laurel. What's the second book of Laurel going to be called? I don't know. I was just thinking about it. I think I should start to write. So yeah. if anyone want to do the, um, I had a great guy do my, um, what's it called? You know, checking the typing and everything. Yeah. Proofreading. The, the proof. I had a great guy do it, but I'm not sure if he's free. So if someone else or that guy wants to do proofreading for me, please let me know. And I have high standards, so you have to be just as good as the other guy. Oh, but, yeah, uh, good. That's, my, that's, the, that's the reason I don't want to do another book because, oh, it's you're, just. You, well, I have a proof read twice, and I hate typos. I can't stand them. But I think there's typos in every book, and they're going to get in there, five or six of them. But yeah. I used to be super critical of anyone who wrote a book that had a typo in it. But, you know, they have editors, and they have – you know, we only have what we can do. Yeah. Um, For me, it's not so much typos. It's just the language thing. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it's, yeah. Um, and what else? Uh, what I started doing for me was I started, um, and I'm going to finish this, but I started um, doing the voice, you know, doing the audio recording of it first. Oh, not the the program, the voice? You weren't on the voice? No, I wasn't. That? No. <laughs> Because you, know, you, you know I can't sing. <sighs> Although I was in a band when I was in high school. Oh, so that's why you were bringing up all the band stuff? Yeah. You, I have, the sec- you have the secret desire to be a rock star and you're trying to like bring it up in all conversations? I totally. Wouldn't that be great to be a rock star? No. It never ends well for them, does it? I don't know. I guess you can't die at 27, so yeah, that's pretty go. good. <laughs> Um, okay, so this is going to be part of the Law of Attraction um, roundtable, and we will add this in, special one. It'll say Joshua and Laurel, and if you want to ask a question to Joshua and Laurel and have us pick it apart on this podcast, send it in to joshuateachings at gmail.com, and we'll meet again next week, and we'll do the same thing. How does that sound? We will? Yeah, we're going to do it every every Thursday. 
Okay. Is that good for you? That's good for me. All right, cool. We'll say goodbye to everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week.